As Pendarefis Frenotti for Victims of Roshan are fittingly used in Twin Peaks for the soundtrack to an atomic explosion, the like of which will never be seen on TV again. And uh, from Twin Peaks to return, you're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of uh, two massive reviews on uh, We had Tenet, the terrible Tenet, earlier, and now very, very different. Charlie Kaufman is, he made his name as a writer. Being John Malkovich was the first of his films which showed enormous talent. Um, and then he made um, Adaption, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, but the pinnacle of his writing career was undoubtedly Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, one of the century's greatest films. Since then, like a lot of writers, he's turned his hand to fully directing and writing. Um, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen one of his directorial efforts so far, even to the extent of not being able to pronounce Sindekdochi, New York. So have a good laugh at that because I've got no idea how that word's pronounced. From 2008, Anomalisa, uh, an animated, I believe, film. Didn't see either of these films, but I have seen the brand new third film as a director from Charlie Kaufman called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, released in the cinema, but only a tiny fraction of showings, um, but mainly released on Netflix. Over the weekend, just gone, I think it came out on the 4th or the 5th of September, and it's from a book of the same name by Ian Reid. Um, it stars Jesse Plemons from Breaking Bad fame, who is the perennial most scary man. Honestly, every time I've seen him in a film, he's been a potential serial killer. He isn't here. And I'm really glad that he seems to be getting a, a wider variety of acting roles because he's such a good scary person on films. He and Jesse Buckley are 90% of this movie. And the movie begins with her alone in her house. She's an Irish actress, a new Irish actress, uh, Jessie Buckley. Sorry, Buckley, um, saying, I'm thinking of ending things. And she's talking about her six-week relationship with her boyfriend, Jesse Plemons. And they're going on a journey to meet his parents, which has stirred up a lot of emotion in her because obviously that's the next stage to take in a relationship so it suddenly becomes more pressing how she feels and the flaws she finds in him and what she's going to do the opening half an hour of this film are her and him in a car in a very uncomfortable scenario where i felt jesse i felt him in one of those situations where you're with your girlfriend and there's not really anything you can say that won't that will make this tension leave the air you want everything to be great but it's this horrible intense claustrophobic prickly feeling it's an awful scene <laughs> goes on for half an hour as they're driving out to the farm where his parents are from interspersed with cuts of a janitor in a school by himself or occasionally with school children and along the way they have a really deep and meaningful conversation about philosophically conversational all the way through the film about life the universe and everything interspersed with her having her own reveries and internal monologues about similar things about relationships primarily the crux of this film is about human relationships and disappointment with our own life that is basically what this film is about uh, once we get to their farm things start to get a bit odd up until then, it's been a very ordinary but very high-minded, talky film about life, the universe, and everything. But once they reach the parents, who are Tony Collette and David Swellis, two fantastic actors, 
other parents they're very sort of forward and very sort of in your face a little bit not annoyingly so but it's obvious that Jesse Plemons is very embarrassed by them and uh Jesse Buckley's character is doing her best to be nice to them and is less embarrassed. It's a dynamic familiar to all, as is the dynamic in the half-hour-long car journey to meet them. But what then happens is a fragmenting of being. Um, throughout this film, there are cha subtle changes to characters in what they're wearing from one shot to the next. In the passage of time... And throughout their stay in this house, we see the parents at different stages in their life. Um, she turns around at one point and no one's there, but when she finds everyone else, the parents are at completely different ages in their life, uh, very old, very young. And you're from that point on, you're in this dream state that never lifts, and you become part of this psychological e exercise where you're seeing people at various points in their lives and where the actual realities of scenarios falls away in importance because certain things exist as tropes throughout your life. There's a trope of the dog shaking its wet fur that happens over and over, apparently never stopping. Um, but there are the rest of the film, you are half in this dream reality or fully in a dream reality, where you're inside Jessie Buckley's head and the characters are on shifting sands around her um, and you don't quite know what's going on. The whole time she's desperate to get back to the city because she has work in the morning. But what she does and who she is subtly changes. She is a physicist studying to be a physicist. And another time she's a poet. And another time she works in... A restaurant as a waitress, which is shown in a fake Robert Zemeckis film at the like about halfway through. Who she is changes on shifting realities throughout the film. Now, this might not sound like a lot of fun. It isn't a lot of fun at all. This isn't a narrative film. If you watch the trailer, I say trailers never lie. This is one of the rare occurrences where I will say a trailer lied. Even rarer. Normally, if they get away with that, it will be to make a... Well, it rarely lies if a film's bad. But with a trailer like Drive, it made it feel, feel like a great car chase film when it wasn't. But that was still a brilliant film. Th that makes it look like um, a quirky, mysterious thriller. And it isn't at all. But it is still brilliant. Um, we are then stuck in this cycle of trying to get back to point a but we can't ever get back to point a and there are revelations throughout the rest of the story which point to what is really going on now i've read the synopsis of the book and i really appreciate charlie kaufman what he's done here in what he's focused on and what he's not focused on so much in the book which is the janitor side of things as much as the book necessitates the story to resolve itself around that particular character. Here he focuses on what's the strongest suit of the book, which is this metaphysical existential discussion that the film is having about human relationships and how torturously horrible they are. 
what we think in our own heads about our partners, the disappointments we feel about the passage of time and what life's given to us. It's a very deep film. It will stay with you and it stayed with me since I finished watching it. It isn't nice. Watch this with Vivarium if you want to just have no hope left. (laughs) But I found it a deeply profound film. I thought that the conversations were amazing. Um, I thought the performances of Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buck, yeah, Jesse Buckley, the fact that they've got both got the same first name is something very interesting if you watch the film. I think that's, I wonder if that's a conceit Charlie Kaufman knew about because it so fits the film. Um, we are left in this blind panic state of intense claustrophobia as we sit inside Jessie Buckley's head as she desperately tries to get back to home. As a film, it reminded me of the last episode of Twin Peaks The Return, where the characters themselves changed and moved away from who we knew they are. And I'd rarely ever seen that attempted, where Agent Cooper, who we'd known and loved since the very first ever Twin Peaks, was slipping into being a different version of himself. The characters here continually change and evolve into different versions of themselves, including the parents, but also the two lead characters. It's really Jesse Buckley's film, but both her and Jesse Plemons give awards-worthy performances in very difficult terrain. Um, And you end up, you know, if you go into this film knowing it's a meditation on being, and not looking for any sort of plot contrivance to get you out at the end, you'll, which I did, you'll enjoy this film much more than if you're looking. You're going to get to the end, and it won't have made sense on that plot level. And accept that before you watch it, because that's not what it's trying to make sense on. It's trying to make sense out of life. And I thought it made incredibly profound assumptions. I mean, the whole idea of... This girlfriend, this perfect girlfriend, being a different person throughout the film, um, that was very powerful um, and dodgy. And I thought that he was right not to focus too much on that, which is in the book, about someone creating you know, their dream girlfriend. I thought that was wise to, to focus much more on her head, what was going on. She's a narrator in the book. Um, I found this a moving, profound, lyrical, unusual unique film experience um i th- i thought that it had it takes no prisoners it's not an easy watch and i wouldn't say that it ever made me happy um it made me quite depressed um and a lot of people don't go to the cinema to be depressed um i didn't find it i didn't find it unreachable i thought that it was quite clear what was happening when it made its most artistically challenging movements uh, there's a movement where she reviews a film in the voice of the person who reviewed the film. At one stage, it's even a different actress. And I thought these moments reference cinema from past as well and different films. I thought that this was a masterpiece. I really did appreciate everything about it and everything the director tried to do. Just don't go in there thinking that you're going to get a sci-fi film about bending time. Uh, about bending logic and end up with something that explains it all because this is much more about the moments that get you there and I think that this is my favorite film of the year so far uh, it's ironic that Tenet also had its own 
reality and time-bending motifs and that's the most disappointed I've been by film this year but the most impressed I've been is by I'm thinking of ending things it's my favorite film so far this year I found it profound lyrical depressing moving unique and well acted beautifully scripted and written and brave brave from the acting brave from the writing and I thought that I got a lot more out of this than I would have from any linear plot story so I'm going to give I'm thinking of ending things nine out of ten the first time I've given that to a film this year and it's not been a great year for movies it's been a great year for good to great movies but nine out of ten's nothing I think Invisible Man was previously my favorite film of the year and I gave that an eight and a half out of ten so my best film of the year so far is Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things, 9 out of 10. You're with Julian on the Brown Note, and this from the movie drive to second piece, but this is from the original script.